to the Icon Church podcast. Icon Church is one church in five locations. Our vision is human flourishing. We pray that this podcast helps you to flourish in life. For any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Wow, what a great night. So United at five, it's when we invite all of our locations, obviously, to go together. Thankfully, not everybody comes because we couldn't get everybody in the room. But uh, hey, I'd love to have that problem because we could always hire the winding wheel for United at five or some other venue, couldn't we? Or four of us. Yeah, we could always do that. But the, pur- the purpose, and I'm not going to talk for too long tonight, but the purpose of United at five is for us just to join together and celebrate all our locations, what God is doing everywhere, but also to input into what God is doing everywhere, to believe for more in Chesterfield, in Derby, in Sheffield, and in London now, and Sutton as well. So we're believing for that. And so, Lord, tonight we pray. We just pray in these few moments we have together. Let your word come into our hearts, because we believe that you are moving through the power of your Holy Spirit. We're not waiting for you to move. We're not just thinking you did move, but you are moving by your Spirit in us right now. You are filling us. And so we pray, Lord, in just even these few moments that you'll do incredible things in our hearts and our lives in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen, Amen. Esto es para todos, which is Spanish for this is for everyone. You could take your seats. Uh, I I was using that phrase this morning as I was talking because um, I've promised uh, Juanito, my friend Juanito in Fuengarola, that before the end of 2021, I'll preach in Spanish. And so I now have one phrase. So maybe I could say that for 20 minutes and get away with it. Who knows? And uh, I, I once went to a meeting, actually, where for 20 minutes, the speaker got up to speak and he started like this. What do you know about God? What do you know about God? What do you know about God? And for 20 minutes, that's all he said. By the end of 20 minutes, people were stood on their chairs, waving anchors, they were clapping, they were cheering, etc. So maybe, esto es para todos. Esto es para todos. Esto es. But anyway, no, let's get into tonight's message. Um, I want to talk about just a simple title, Overcomer. Overcomer. Because I really believe that what God has for us to give to us is the spirit of an overcomer. You know, the hero in any story is always an overcomer. Any good story, there's a hero and the hero has a challenge. The hero has a problem that they have to overcome. And I'll tell you why storytellers do that. One, because it keeps our interest. And the reason it keeps our interest is because that's real life. You see, like, well, we want to protect our children from everything, don't we? We don't want them to face trouble. We don't want them to face hardship. We don't want them to be disappointed. We don't want their friends not to like them. We don't want them to have trouble at school. We don't want somebody to to not share with them. We, We want to protect children from everything, but actually real life. Jesus said, in this world, you'll have tribulation. But he says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. And, and so Christianity does not deny the reality of life and that life can be painful and traumatic and difficult and that there's trouble in life, but it gives to us the spirit 
of an overcomer. And I believe if there's any generation that ever needed the spirit of overcoming, it's the generation we live in today. This week I was reading about human resources in Australia. And here's one of the challenges that now they have in human resources in Australia, is that people want to bring their mums to work. Oh, I'll try that over here. This is one of the challenges. They're having to rewrite human resource policy because people are so stressed, they actually want to bring their mums to work. The same thing I was reading about was saying that some people are now sending their parents to the interview, the job interview. So that actually people are turning up at the job interview and they think they're going to get Debbie Benger walking through the door for the job interview and they get Tracy Peters, which is Debbie's mum. Uh, I was going to say Debbie would never get the job, but I hope that doesn't get back to her. Anyway, oh, 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 calm down. I think if of any generation that's ever lived, we need the spirit of overcomers. The spirit of overcomers. I heard of uh, uh, one lady who she got a job actually in New York. She did a journalism degree and she um, passed with flying colours. And, uh, and she got this job and she, she got this job at this New York agency, massive news agency. 27 years of age and she, uh, she wrote this article and her edit- editor said to her, she, her editor gave her this article back and said, no, it's not good enough. We can't publish it. We'd like you to change this. The next thing, her mum is on the phone to the editor. 20, I'm not making this up, by the way. 27 years of age. I think we need, I'm sure that's nobody in this room, but we need the spirit of an overcomer in this world. You know, my goal tonight is, uh, this isn't a pep rally tonight, but my goal is to, to allow God to put into us some of the things that he wants to put into us. And I think as a church that God wants us to be an overcoming church, but that means he wants us to be a people of an overcoming spirit. Every hero in any story is an overcomer. And we're about the greatest call in history, the greatest call in existence, to reach people with the good news of Jesus, to see people find Jesus, to follow Jesus, and people to live the way of Jesus and lead like Jesus. And, and to see God transforming lives, it's so good for Dan and Siobhan and for Mark and for others to talk about God changing people's lives and the stories that we see. And in a few weeks, we'll have some baptisms, how God comes and meets people and transforms life. We're about, this is the greatest call that we're involved in, in the whole of history. But it doesn't come without its challenges or its oppositions or its bad days. It has good days and it also has challenging days. I wonder if we were to believe that all things were possible. But all things are only possible if we're able to overcome. You know, we, we know all things are possible for God. But if what all things were possible for us, if we were able with God to overcome, imagine that. I wonder what would we attempt if we knew it was possible? What would we attempt if we knew anything was possible for us? We can think about that individually, but we can think about that collectively as a church. I mean, we're trying, we're trying things like you've seen tonight. We're trying things, you know, Derby, Sheffield, Sutton's, London. We're trying things. We've got other things in our hearts and in our minds to do. We're trying things. But what would we attempt if we knew that all things were possible? You see, our greatest enemy is not external. It's internal. It's internal. 
Our greatest enemy can be our own apathy, let's say, or our own mediocrity maybe in life. Our greatest enemy can be that sometimes we don't really believe what we sing we believe or we say we believe. Our greatest enemy can be ourselves. But what if we had the spirit of an overcomer? Because a church that overcomes, I believe, is filled with people that overcome. People who have faith and expectancy. People who have commitment and heart and passion. That whatever comes against them, that they believe that they have got the spirit of overcoming. And that God has got that for them. There are people in this room tonight and you'll be facing major challenges. Maybe you're facing the biggest challenges of your life. I want to tell you tonight, God wants to give you the spirit of an overcomer. God's for you, God's with you, and he wants to give you the spirit of an overcomer. See, there's no point in climbing a mountain if the mountain was flat. No, nobody would go on about climbing a mountain, would they? Oh, I climbed Snowdon this weekend. But it's flat. It's like one foot elevation. Well, it's not. And that's why we celebrate, because people overcome the challenge and the difficulty. Nelson Mandela, who is a hero for everybody, who overcomes that great challenge and actually turns a nation around on the very thing that he for many years suffered. He's a hero, not because it was easy, but because it was super hard. And he spent many years in prison and he overcome. We celebrate people who have comebacks and who come back from setbacks. We celebrate those things. And I think to overcome, we need some qualities, don't we? We need the quality of having a vision. We need the quality of faith to believe that that's what God has for us. To have the quality to be able to dream and to dream again and to, and to think that there can be better days ahead for us. Maybe you're going through something today and that's the word of God for you, that there are better days ahead and that needs to become your dream. We need to have a resilient spirit so that at 27, when my boss says, no, I'm not ringing my mum and saying, come to work, mum. You know, I'm just warning you, by the way, if you upset me as a church, I'm getting my mum up here. (laughs) And you don't want that, do you? Hey, it's all right. I took her home this afternoon. She's okay. Oh, she came for lunch and I nearly fell off the stage. We need a resilient spirit. We need a refusal to settle. Uh, Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, writes these words in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, verses 9 to 10. He's actually writing to a church. And one of the things the church is doing is taking an offering for Christians who are facing poverty. They're not very super wealthy themselves, but they're wanting to bless people who are less fortunate. And Paul writes to them in 2 Corinthians 8, verses 9 and 10, and he's just referencing this event that's happening. And he says this, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, verses 9, 10, and 11, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. And here's my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. He's talking about the offering. Here's what's best for you. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. You responded with willingness, with desire to do something. Now finish the work. It sounds to me like they're a bit like me because I'm a great starter. (laughs) I'm not the best finisher always, but I'm a great starter. But Paul says to them, this is what's best for you. Finish the work. Overcome the challenges that you're now facing. You've started, you were willing, and you thought, isn't this an amazing thing? But you face some opposition. Now finish the work. Overcome, keep going so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it 
according to your means. I've already said it, just I like new things. I'm not always a great finisher. I like starting things. I like pioneering things. It's why our church has got this pioneering spirit. I like seeing new small groups. You know, whenever we talk as a leadership, can we start some new small groups this term? And can, can we start something new? Can, what can we, can we do? I like new ideas, new thoughts. But you know, God is not only a good starter, he's a good finisher. The same writer, Paul, in Philippians 1 verse 6 talks about us and he says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. God wants to start something in us and he wants to finish it. He's a completer finisher. And Galatians 6, 9, the same writer again, Paul, he's writing to another group of churches in another region. And he says to them, he has to address this issue with them as well. And he says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Can you see what's happening? That these people are just like us or just like me. They're good starters. They face opposition. They face difficulty. They face temptations to slow down, to pull back, to not move forward. But Paul says, God wants you to have the spirit of an overcomer. So don't grow weary in doing good because you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. I love this harvest metaphor. It's throughout the Bible that we sow seeds and we see a harvest. But you know, there's a, there's a time, isn't there? There's a period between sowing a seed and seeing the harvest. But here's something you and I need to understand. That interim period is really important. That's London calling. Yeah, again. A couple sow a seed. <laughs> Just pass it me, I'll talk to them. It's, it might be my mum. <laughs> a couple sow a seed and a baby is conceived in the womb. And there's nine months before that baby is going to be born. That interim period is very important. Here's why it's very important, because something is growing. Something is growing. And when you and I set off on a journey and we start a journey, it's like we sow a seed. But after that moment, it's still important how we live and how we respond and how we walk because something is growing. Therefore, Paul says, don't lose heart. Don't grow weary. Don't lose heart because you will reap a harvest. You will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Here's some signs that we are losing heart. Some signs that we're losing the energy and the passion for what we think God wants to do. It can be stress or anxiety in our lives. We all face stress, we all face anxiety, but sometimes, you know, we can just get stressed and anxious about so many things. And it can be a sign, actually, that we're losing hope and we're losing heart in our lives and, and, in our, in, in, and towards our purpose and towards the goal we think God has for us. A church can be some stressed and anxious I was stressed a few minutes ago when Nathan forgot about the gift for Amber and Gunter. I lost heart. All faith and hope and desire that we could have a good church just went from me in that moment. I'm joking, but we can become stressed and anxious in life and we can lose heart. I've been stressed and anxious about my kids at times because at times I've lost heart over what was happening in their life. We can become discouraged 
can't we? We can, we can be trying things, we can be pushing things forward, and it just seems that we're constantly up against it. And we can become discouraged. It's a sign that we are losing heart. We can lose our passion. Things that we were really enthusiastic about, suddenly uh, we're not so passionate about. It's a sign that we're losing heart. And Paul encourages us, this writer of the New Testament, he says, don't lose heart. Don't grow weary and don't lose heart because you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. We get to a place, we can get to a place where we think I've got to rather than I get to. Oh, I've got to go to church. They're, they're relying on me. I've got to play the keys today. I've got to sing the solo. I've got, I've got, to, I've got to be on the welcome team. I've got to make the coffee. That's a sign that we're losing heart. But a sign that we're passionate and we're not giving up and we're not growing weary is not that I have to, but I get to do this. I get to do this and impact the lives of people. You know, that we're not going through the motions. Another sign is that a a revelation or an inspiration loses its power. You know, maybe some of the slogans we use in church, you know, we used to have this response of faith. We now think they're silly. We now think they're silly. You know, we used to love it when Pastor Paul would say, come on, everybody, whole another level. No, I know you never loved it. But we now think it's silly. Welcome home. And we used to love it when somebody said, you know, we've got this big sign and it says, welcome home, because we believe this can be a home for everybody. And your, your spirit used to respond with, yes, this could be a home for everybody. Now you think, here we go again. You belong here. We used to think, oh, what an incredible message that is, that anybody hearing that message, you belong here. I, I, I love it. Sometimes people come to me and say, you forgot to say this. Somebody came to me a few weeks ago and they said, at the end of the service, you, need, you usually say, um, you know, may God bless everything you do this week. Why didn't you say it this week? <laughs> now, let me tell you, I loved that. And here's why I loved it, because they had a passion. They had a passion that in that moment, they were being blessed by God. In that moment, you know, can you think of any more slogans that we used? Sorry? Shout, blue parking is double parking. Well, a round of applause there for that slogan. Yeah, I mean, you can just get bored, can't you? Blue parking is double parking. I don't think some people have heard that slogan, but there you go. So I want to just read three verses from Hebrews chapter 12 about Jesus who's an overcomer. And then I want to just pull out three things from these verses, if that's okay. Just about having the spirit of an overcomer that God wants to put inside of us. They're from chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance or patience the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I just want to share these three thoughts, three keys, let's call them, for maintaining this overcoming spirit and receiving that overcoming spirit today. Three keys that will keep us in the right place while the harvest is growing. 
while the baby, going back to that metaphor, is becoming healthy and growing and forming into the person it's going to be. Here's the first thing. Have a clear vision of joy. Or a clear vision of the joy. You know, most, most couples go into having a baby and the lady knows it's going to be painful. <laughs> if you're expecting you didn't know that, I'm sorry, I've just burst your bubble, haven't I? <laughs> but that pales into insignificance compared to the fact that they, the joy that they see that other parents have with their children, the joy that they've got to be a parent and to have a child. And here it says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. He had a clear vision of the joy, for the joy set before him. I wonder what joy could you, can you see? What joy can you see in the future? You see, because Jesus, for Jesus, he saw you and he saw me. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He saw us, he saw you, me, he saw us free. He saw us free, being set free from things that might bind us. He saw our potential and his spirit filling our lives and bringing out the potential that he had for us. He saw us living in purpose. Maybe he saw you or me healed or you or me serving him in some way. It was for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus did not go to the cross out of duty. He did not go to the cross out of duty. Well, somebody's got to do it. He went to the cross because of the joy set before him. Jesus didn't go to the cross out of obedience. He was obedience. Oh, dad said it, therefore I better do it. No, Jesus went to the cross because of the joy set before him. Because he saw you and me free. He saw our chains broken. He saw death defeated in our life. And what do you see? Imagine the joy. I believe that's how we can stay in a place and receive a spirit of overcoming when we can see the joy. Maybe you're going through a difficult season. I want to encourage you, imagine the joy that God has for you. The joy. You know, when we started our our church, we've been through many seasons, but 32 years ago, this was the joy set before me. I used to take a card like this, an A6 card, and on this card there are 40 dots because the joy I saw was a church with 40 people. That was the joy set before me. And I enjoyed week after week, disappointment, you know, the numbers not growing and difficulty and so on. I would take this card to work and I would have this in front of me, 40 dots, because I thought, wouldn't a church of 40 people be awesome? Now I'd need a card with 600 dots on it or something like that. For the joy. You see, I think God wants to give us the joy. A sense of a vision. And that can change over our life. For the joy set before him. He endured the cross. Have a clear vision of the joy. What is it? What is it? What's, what's the imagination that you've got? Maybe it's a, some relationship. Maybe it's something physical in your life. I don't know. But I believe that God wants to say, have a clear vision of the joy set before you. Here's the second thing in these verses. It's stay focused on Jesus. The writer here says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Why does he say that? Because we're going to fix our eyes on something. We're all looking at something for influence. We're all something looking at something to impact our lives. 
Maybe you might just fix your eyes on Instagram. Hang on. Oh, look at that. We're all going to fix our eyes on something. And the writer to Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author. He's the pioneer. And he's also the finisher of your faith. They've done some studies of monkeys and chimpanzees. And they have noticed that, uh, uh, that chimpanzees and monkeys look more at the leader, at the highest person, at the highest person, the highest chimpanzee or monkey in the group, and they look more towards that person than they do any other. They've also noticed that those same monkeys and those same chimpanzees look more at what that leader looks at than, than anyone else looks at. And that's why the writer to Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Because we're meant to follow his lead. We're going to look at something. We're going to, we're going to look at some, you know, example for us to follow. And so he says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. But also, we should learn the lesson to look at what he's looking at too. And to look at that more than we look at anything else. You see, we do this anyway because, you know, we're, like, we're mammals too. And, you know, well, that's a philosophical talk. Let's not get into that. But Jesus is the most perfect human that ever lived. And so the scripture says, fix your eyes on Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith. And that causes us to have the spirit, I believe, of an overcomer. But don't just look at him. Look at what he's looking at. See what he sees and, and look at what he is seeing. More than anything. Scripture says, for the joy set before him. It says that he endured the cross because of the joy. The cross was a burden. It was a weight. It was a trouble. It was pain. But then it says, he scorned its shame. And I love that. I love that because with a burden can come shame. Have you ever felt that when you've got a burden or trouble in your life? You just feel somehow you feel ashamed. Well, Jesus was tempted to feel like that too. But the Bible says he scorned the shame. He refused the shame. When you're carrying a weight whether it's, it can be a weight of sickness or a weight of trouble in your life, you can feel ashamed. And Jesus was tempted to feel like that too. But the scripture says he scorned the shame. He refused the shame. When you're in pain, you can somehow feel for some reason ashamed. But the scripture tells us that Jesus scorned the shame. The joy set before him, he endured the burden, the cross, and he scorned its shame. The cross was trouble for Jesus. And with trouble can come shame, but actually Jesus scorned it. And then it says that he sat down at the right hand of God. He rested in who he was as a child of God. There's so much in these verses for you and me to have the spirit of an overcomer. Jesus, the pioneer and finisher of our faith. And the final thing I want to say is that Jesus is a pioneer who overcame. He's a pioneer who broke the barrier. He's the pioneer who opened up a new way of living for us to follow. And that's why we look at him. He was the first to experience life and life to the full. That's why we look at him and we look at what he looked at to experience that same life. Jesus didn't just start, he finished. And the final thing is live athletically. Live athletically. In verse one of those three verses we read, I don't know if you noticed, I kind of did them in reverse order, but it says this, throw off every weight. 
the sin that entangles, throw off every weight. I had a boss, Gavin had a boss too, and um, uh, he used to tell me about his dad. He used to say, my dad was a, a great athlete, and my son's a great athlete, and it skipped me. That's what he used to say. But he used to tell me about his dad who used to race. And he was a good racer and was able uh, to, to race for England, Great Britain. And his dad was so good that as he went through, sort of beginning to, from 16, beginning to run, they had to put lead weights in his shoes because he was too good. It was like a handi- handicap system. They had to slow him down. They had to put extra weight inside his shoes. When I read this verse, I always remember that story of him saying that because I think so often we're carrying weight in our shoes. That means we can't run as athletically and nimbly and freely as, we, as God wants us to run. And so the writer see, says, get rid of the weight. Throw off the weight. Just, just get rid of it. I wonder what weights can stop us winning in our life. What weights can stop you winning? What weights haven't you thrown off yet? I believe that we can throw them off tonight. I believe that we can get rid of them tonight. I'm going to invite the band to come back because I'm closing right now. If someone was to ask you, what stops you? What would you say? I wonder what you would say. What stops you? Because I think it's time to throw it off. It's time to get rid of it. Get it out of our shoes so that we can run at full speed ahead to live athletically. It's time to shake it off. Maybe there are choices, there are habits, there are things that we we do that we can throw off so that we can live as God wants us to live. Maybe there are thoughts and ways of patterns of thinking and ideas and views that we need to throw off so that we can live as God wants us to live and run as God wants us to run. Maybe there's fears and failures in our lives that we need to just throw off so that we can be all that God wants us to be. I think it's time for it to go. These scriptures tell us so clearly, throw it off and run with patience the race marked out for you. To Timothy, Paul again writing, same guy who writes most of the stuff we've read tonight. To Timothy 2.4, he uses this illustration. He says this, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs. I wonder whether we are getting too entangled with some stuff so that the spirit of the overcomer can't flow freely in our life. It's possible. It's possible for us to get too entangled. I want to encourage us tonight because God's good and he's got good things for us to throw it off, to trust God and say, God's got great things for me. God wants me to have that spirit of an overcomer, that spirit of going forward. God wants us as a church. So let's not get too entangled with some stuff. Let's throw it off. One John, a different author, verse 3 and verse, chapter 3 sorry in verse 8 says this the reason the son of God Jesus appeared was to destroy the devil's work that word destroy doesn't mean crush it doesn't mean burn it means untie let me read it to you the reason the son of God appeared was to untie the devil's work Let me translate it like this. The reason the Son of God appeared was to untie you from the devil's work. To untie the devil's work. To loose us from the devil's work. I think tonight God wants us to become untangled. He wants us to live untangled. He wants to put into us the spirit of an overcomer. He wants us to live with a nimble spirit, with a light spirit. He wants us to live in the freedom that He has for us. 
And I believe that if we can see the joy, if we can have a vision, a sight of what God wants for us, and we can see that joy, if we can stay focused on Jesus, because we're going to focus on something, but if we can stay focused on Jesus and on what Jesus is seeing and what Jesus is focused on, and if we can untangle ourselves or allow God to untangle us, then we can have an overcoming spirit. And the good news about overcoming spirit is you're not going to be ringing up for your mum to come to work with you on Monday morning. But the more powerful news is that you'll be able to live free in the purposes that God has for you. You might be here tonight and you've never heard a message that, like this, that God loves you and God's for you and God wants good things for you. I want you to know that's the complete message of the Bible. Maybe you've heard something different to that, that God's waiting to smack you or condemn you or push you down. No, God is here to lift you. He's, the, the Bible tells us that He's the lifter of our head. He's the one that lifts us up out of the grave. And so I believe God wants to give to us as a church. He wants to give to us as a people the spirit of an overcomer. Come on, why don't we all stand? Why don't we all worship? And then I'm going to pray for us. And then after the prayer, I'll hand back to Nathan. Come on, let's worship God and believe God will move in our lives right now. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Icon Church. If you'd like any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. Have the best week.